What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Ding dong. Anxiety calling. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. I just wanted to come in and talk to you about a couple things. One's called COVID and the other one's called Trump. <laughs> can, I, can I talk to you for a few minutes? No, thank you. No, thank you. Oh, no, please. If I could just, could I just use your bathroom? No, please go away. Oh, my leave. God. They won't leave. They're still here. Oh, my God. It's really... I, I made the mistake of watching... Well, it's not that mistake. I watched BBC News just, you know, to get a... An outsider's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To feel so ashamed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to just feel so ashamed. And they were talking about... Brazil and the amount of cases there and they're like uh which which of course um and and they're following very closely uh behind India which is following America (laughs) (laughs) well it's true and then um the CDC now you know how they were saying close contacts was 15 minutes today the CDC was like (laughs) We meant 15 minutes total. So if you spent like a couple minutes and then like another three, maybe another five and then seven and then another three, then you've got it. I don't even understand what that, what are you talking about? So close contacts, when the CDC was doing contact tracing, it was, they would contact anyone who you had been exposed if if you had COVID and if you had been exposed, like Expose someone for more than 15 minutes in your presence under six feet. Oh, well, in my mind, I'm like, if you have COVID and you need to contact trace, it's like if you were less than six feet away from a person for like a second. I mean, shouldn't. Same. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, 15 That's not who the CDC has been contacting. No, the CDC was like this 15 minute thing. And they just today were like, actually, we mean 15 minutes total. So if you spent like a few minutes here and there and all together equaled 15, that's bad. It's like, what are you? Who are you? I mean, whatever. There's like, don't like, I don't, it's just like, be good. 15 minutes sounds like the most arbitrary kind of rule I've ever heard. (laughs) Can you imagine? No, it's so weird. It's like, just wear your mask and be careful. Wear your masks. I did watch this incredible advertisement today of Disney World with everyone in masks enjoying Disney World. And I was like, I just feel how, just imagine where we were last November. I don't what day uh, is it? Wait, it's October. We're, do, we're in October. I do not remember last October. I You don't? What were, what were we doing? Not a clue. Well, we were recording our television show, which ladies and another, you can absolutely still watch on our YouTube channel. Like, subscribe. And we were recording it in uh that place in Wall Street. <laughs> that that <laughs> place in wall street yes thank you lmcc for that space that you granted to us so graciously um uh, uh, october what was it was oh i remember i was dressing misty copeland for fall for dance because it's fall for dance season it is it is fall for dance and um uh, I felt really excited to finally get a commission um, <laughs> from Paul for Dance to present a virtual work 
called Bloodbath, uh, which was me thrashing around in a kiddie pool filled with fake blood. I do think actually this virtual Fall for Dance season would have been an ideal platform for you to get a commission. So because it'd be close up. <laughs> it's close up. It would have been. It absolutely could have been some real acting. Yes. And you could have uh, done camera really... angles. You could have said close up on my face. Never, never leave beyond my neck. <laughs> so thank you again, Fall for Dance, for the commission for Bloodbath. And um, I really uh, was happy about it. Well, thank um, you. You did, you, had, you did designs again I this did. this Fall I for Dance. I um Harry, and uh Harriet and I did pajamas for David Hallberg and Sarah Mearns and they're dancing mm-hmm. around in them online right now you can go watch it oh amazing oh. amazing something else one can watch online if you're one of our patrons your Patreon, Patreon. is uh Possession oh my god <laughs> I I mean it's not it is up there in my top five movies. I can't. And it is a movie that has deeply influenced yes, many I, a choreographer and theater maker. I can see the influence, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen this movie, mm, I don't know, over 10 times. Wow. I've definitely seen parts of it many, many times. Wow. And I really relate to the part where... She's walking away from Sam Neill and she turns around and screams, leave me alone with a mouth dripping of blood. (laughs) Right after she ran in front of that truck just to try to kill not only herself, but everyone around. Well, she kind of runs in front of it and then runs away from it just to make it like crash into everything. Yes. I, I, wow. I understood um, why you like it. While I was watching it, but I was <laughs> upset that I was being forced to lay my eyes on this film. Wow. Wow. I cannot believe. You can't. You, you can't. Didn't, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Sam Neill. Sam Neill is gorgeous. Although I have to say like watching two people who are performing, you know, a kind of like psychosexual anxiety from that. They're at a hundred from the beginning and they go up to like a thousand million by the end (laughs) from the opening scene. They are at a hundred. They never go below it ever. So I could Uh, uh, never at any uh, uh, moment feel actually like attracted to Sam Neill because I am not attracted to insane people. Wow. When he is in that hotel, when he goes to the hotel room and he's just like freaking out and rolling around in the bed, I'm just like, oh, honey, yes, work. Let's kiss. Ugh. Like, so, like he's... In the filthy hotel room on the filthy sheets with a person who's absolutely lost their mind. <sighs> sure, been there. Been there. <laughs> absolutely have dated people like that. Oh, awful. Um, um, I, when I, I remember seeing that movie... With this guy who was like straight-ish and or not, like we made out after, but it was a real, like, he was like, I really need you to see this movie. The other person who had really been like, you have to see this movie is Courtney Krantz. Like for years, Courtney was like, you have to see this movie. You're going to lose your mind. This is like a movie for you. And so, you know, it it took this um, 
uh, heteroflexible guy to uh, take to to take me to the Sajani Festival at BAM. And um, when the movie began, he like gripped my hand and like held it through the whole film. He was he was like, there is a scene that's going to happen in a subway that you're going to he's like, when it happens, I think I think you're going to lose your mind. And when that scene happened, I was basically like an ecstasy. I couldn't believe it. So but so let's talk through this movie. It it begins at it begins at 100 with Sam Neill arriving back from some kind of perhaps spy work for East or West Germany. Yes. Um, they do live at the wall. Um, yes. I have a sense that they're, do you, where do you think they are? East or West? They're in West. Okay. Work. Well, there you go. Did it say in the beginning? I looked up online where the, I mean, the film was shot because this was still pre the wall. I mean, the mm-hmm. film. So we have to assume that they're in West Berlin. Mm-hmm. It's it's made by uh the director's name is Zulowski his last name and uh, he m- met a woman at a party who was interested in making a in financing a film and he had just gone through a breakup and he was like I'd love to make a movie uh, and kind of about my breakup and she oh, financed this movie. My God. That's how this movie got made. Zulowski, because- wow, he. He hates women. Polish. Or some, something happened. No. I don't Jack. think he hates women. Jack. Yes. Wow. Yes. He's like, I was dumped by a woman that I couldn't satisfy. I'm going to make a movie about a woman who's so dissatisfied by her husband that she becomes like a murderous witch. <laughs> okay. So that's your reading of it. My reading of it is that this couple together are unsatisfied kind of with each other. He's unsatisfied with her too. They have a breakup and the emotions around their breakup are so big that they create the Antichrist. That is... That is an explanation for this film that makes as much sense as basically anything you could say. Absolutely. And... And, you know, when the film opened and we were Mm -hmm. treated to these beautiful shots of these gorgeous interiors with these insane wall to wall carpets, I was like, oh, maybe I'm maybe I'm about to be treated to a very severe Kramer versus Kramer. Right. Okay. (laughs) Fierce. Uh huh. Sure. And in a way. In a way you were. (laughs) Yeah. In a way. Mm hmm. Um, They do have a child. They do have a child. And this, this is problematic to me. Okay. I mean, it certainly does amp up the trauma porn aspect of this film. That they have a child. Oh, yeah. Because we're not just faced with these dissatisfied uh, married people. These dissatisfied straight married people who... um are so crazed in their feelings over this breakup that they they both murder, they both spew blood from blood. orifices, they both cut themselves. They they absolutely leave that child alone and in the apartment for like weeks. But yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. All of those mm-hmm. things they do mm-hmm. pale in comparison to the child abuse that both of them inflict on this child. Of course. So 
having to sit through the child abuse aspects, aspects of this film were the most disturbing. Well, and not only him, but also when she, I guess, is also a ballet teacher where she like horribly abuses mm-hmm. that ballet student. In that one kind of like non sequitur of a scene where they're like, oh, by the way, <laughs> where they're like, she's a, ba- she's a ballet teacher. Where they're like, and she also taught ballet. Um, <laughs> so, and uh, there's so many things I love about the movie. She's in the same dress for the whole film. <laughs> I do love that dress. That dress. I love the the filthy dress it, just, with the buttons in the back. I loved it. That gets so dirty as the film goes on. Look, I mean, I can't take away from this movie that mostly it's incredibly chic. And it just makes, I mean, even in 1981, things could be very chic. Yes. It's incredibly chic. They they meet, they're having some sort of breakup. I mean, the scene where they have a fight about what they're going to do about their child and their relationship in a cafe that has a corner mirror oh, that they're sitting fuck. at, that somehow they shot amazingly. So you don't see the cameras. And uh. there's these mirrors where they're sitting in this corner banquette fighting with each other on opposite sides Iconic, and then when she runs out of the cafe, just throwing chairs behind her so that he can't get her. Well, they they do a very violent cafe. Mueller, they, absolutely, they literally destroy the place. It's incredible, and then all those chefs jump on him. I mean, the wave of destruction they leave was. I, I don't like destructive movies. I find them very upsetting. I'm like, clean that up, clean that up. I see. Watching her do the meat, the meat grinder. Oh, oh loved it. Loved it. Disgusting. Loved. Getting her fingers all in there. And she just like was pushing the meat through the meat grinder while in a dissociative state because she has to go back to her demon lover, which is also her ex-husband or her husband. I mean, she, the thing that's created, which is created in the subway, is ultimately when the the, the big subway moment, which is an iconic, <laughs> iconic dance scene. <laughs> Um, which, which a lot of contemporary choreographers are going to draw from. I mean, think about it. Interesting. Think about it. Well, I mean, it's just kind of this like unhinged release of energy and screaming. I really worried for Isabella Johnny's larynx throughout the whole film, but the amount of screaming she does. So much screaming. Full tilt. Full tilt screaming. So much screaming. Um... I can think of so many performances I've seen that I was like, that was, yeah, that was that. Like, it was... Ap- but I, I don't like performance where people pretend to be insane. Mm. I, I mean, I, I tend to not like, and I found big parts of her performance too, too broad, too broad. I find a Johnny's performance in this film, words that come to mind immaculate <laughs> um, um iconic uh-huh zeitgeist shattering wow wow I, I mean i feel that she delivers and i do feel that this film uh when it comes out and when i sort we sort of think of like the titans of french female actresses of uh you know Pre, but certainly beginning feeling like it's coming into a its own with Deneuve, and then you have a Johnny and Hubert and Binoche, mm-hmm. and who are all going to well, um, they all have do crazy in various ways, different ways, yes, very different, and in, in different ways. I think yeah. your favorite is probably Binoche. 
I because she gives the warmest crazy. She does, but I, you know, I can appreciate the frozen crazy of Isabelle Huppert. Absolutely. I mean, but um, I don't love this kind of like manic, unnuanced crazy of Isabella uh, Johnny. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I love it so much. The subway scene was where she and what she talks about and and she says to. Sam Neill is that she's telling this story of sister faith and sister chance and that what, what she miscarried when she has this miscarriage in the subway after this possession, this, my God, this sort of possession where just before it, she's been like kind of whimpering in front of the crucifix, hoping that maybe Christ can save her. Uh And that what she miscarried there is sister faith and all that's left is sister chance. And we just go into this full chaos reigns moment. I mean, I don't think there is not, there is no way that you could ever see. Um, I was just talking about it today with Jeremy. Um, Antichrist by Lars von Trier. You it, like, if I you didn't see that, if you didn't like this movie, you would hate that movie. Ugh. Um, because he dials up, um, I do. I absolutely do think you are correct in this playing with the idea of, uh, uh, you know, the sort of Eve Lilith or, you know, the the dark and light. Because Johnny also appears as a very good school teacher, right? Who oh, comes yeah. to take care of, who in green contacts and a weave. <laughs> who comes to... <laughs> I wouldn't um, call that a weave. I would call that just a straight up wig. Just a, big, a wig. A big long wig. Just a big, just a big braid wig. Yeah. And um, like really comes right out of the package braided. And um, you know, that's, that's the good side of, of uh, the idea of, you know, whatever's it's it, the men in the movie to me are also sort of pathetic and, dumb and um yeah. yes. you know they're like trying there's like her stupid german spiritualist boyfriend who now, is her sort of lover heinrich who mm-hmm. who do we know who this actor is because i i want to imagine he's that he's iconic pers- he's been in other things for sure i i just feel like this person's a dancer because i his like physical performance was like so graceful and he was like not very good at acting aside from just like being overacting. And, and here's the thing. I thought he I think I literally everyone is incredible in this movie. <laughs> A plus acting all around. This is the kind of acting I want to see. Well, I thought I, I thought I thought Bob this. was really good. Don't open it. Don't open it. I the thought Bob, Bob was good. Yeah. Wee wee. Uh-huh. Him doing wee wee and running into the bathtub. Um drowning himself. Very hard thing to do in that way. It was in it was god, everyone's incredible in this movie. I love it. It's so chic, but Heinrich is um I don't know he's very maybe he's in the Pina Bausch company and that's why we are like he looks so familiar. Well, yeah, and then he had incredible kind of dexterity and balance and stuff in his yeah. fight in his first fight with Sam Neill at the apartment. Mm-hmm. He was doing it was I mean obviously highly choreographed everything in this movie was just like movement blocking, mm-hmm. um, but he was really good. I mean yeah they all 
they all deliver exceptional performances energetically. I will give you that. There's a, a very famous Fassbinder, uh, Fassbinder actress who plays like the nosy friend who ends up like getting her Mar- leg broken. Marg, Margie or whatever. Margie, yeah. How is, how, why? Oh, she gets killed because she goes into the apartment and the thing kills her. I do have that question in my notes. Why is Marg dead? She gets her throat slashed, I think. And, but it's, she's coming down in the elevator and Sam Neill kind of like rushes her back upstairs. And he was like, is, is it in here? And uh, Ajani's like, yes. And Ajani has to get it out. So he deals with wrapping up Marg in a... Oh, uh, plastic, very loud plastic bag. In a loud plastic bag. And then... Putting, putting her into in the a truck. car and then I mean the the also when you imagine that this guy was like oh can you finance my film and a woman was like okay and then finances things like that crazy scene where the car drives full speed into the cops while he like rolls out oh of the car God. and like things just explode everywhere I mean there was that beautiful shot of Samuel riding that motorcycle at a million miles an hour through those brick archways. Oh yeah. That then he just like decides to crash out on. And then some incredible stunt double literally rolls like 5,000 feet after diving off this motorcycle. That was good. Um, Also the shot where he's talking to his intelligence committee about like the man he's been spying on. So beautiful shot or goes in this circular motion around it and then something around pink socks and then a read a think about like pink and communist etc blah 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 but mm. um I, I just uh there's a gay couple who's dispatched um oh my god the gay the, detectives the private detective mm-hmm. who end up turning they get chopped up and put in the fridge and then they end mm-hmm. up looking like weird pieces of like molded cake with eyes yep. and mm-hmm. yeah, and Sam Neil eventually kills Heinrich by pretending to throw up for some reason. All right. Um, he lures Heinrich into the bathroom. He takes an old, dirty feather out of a garbage can. Oh, and pr- tickles the back of his throat to make himself throw up, so that yes. Heinrich comes and then he smashes Heinrich's head in. Yeah, with, on the toilet with that top of the toilet thing, and then sticks oh, right, his right, head right, in right. the toilet after he's jammed the toilet up with his shoe and then covers Heinrich in like hashish. Um, uh, drowns him in the toilet. Um, mm-hmm. And then goes and, back to her apartment and blows her apartment up because that's where all the dead bodies right. are. And rather than open the door to the stall, he climbs over the stall uh-huh. to leave the stall. Very strange. Ev- everything about the movie is, you're absolutely right. It starts at a hundred and goes to a thousand. And uh, <sighs> I have had breakups that have felt just like that. Where no. it, where you are just where you feel like you are being turned into someone else that is like and you absolutely I have absolutely gone through breakups where I've been like, have I been dating a demon? Like, I mean, and has this breakup made the Antichrist? Like, my God, it is. Wow. I mean, for many people, Midsommar was like their big this. is It was like their breakup film. Like, this is a great film for a breakup. And I'm like, it's possession. Um, and, wow. uh, 
And I, I, and they, I, I would like to hear from you please. your interpretation of the twinning at the end. Oh, so what's happened is that a Johnny, what the thing is that a Johnny's been, a Johnny's character has been feeding, uh, has been this antichrist that is indeed the man she's in love, that takes the form of the man who she loves, which is her ex. That she loves Sam Neill, that this, the the sort of tragedy of the whole thing is that she actually does love him, but they had some bad feelings that they couldn't get over. And so it created this demon, this sort of octopus thing that she is trying to get pleasure from, but still can't. Like there's the scene where she's having sex with it and he comes and finds her and having sex with the octopus. And she's saying, uh, she says, she says something like it's not enough or it's, it's still not great. <laughs> That's not it's, what she says. I but. wish she'd say, I wish she just like nonchalant and still not great. That's kind of like what ended up being my work was having like big histrionic things with like things that were like, well, it's still not great. Well, you um, have, you have both Isabel and, and, and Isabel. I am. You, both of them. I am. I am. That's, I am. Oh my, Jack, why have you not made that piece? Isabel and Isabel. <laughs> That's your piece. It is really my piece. Isabel really my piece. and Isabel. It is just you at two different ways of, two different ways of being different yeah. levels. Yeah. It's absolutely, it is where I like vacillate between a Johnny and Uber. And those really are like my two facets. Um, yeah. And so the, at the end when he, so he understands Sam Neill, her ex now is he's passed to just his like hatred of her and understands that like, this is a thing they made together. They like, they made this thing together. And so he's also going to try to take care of this thing that they're making or have made. And um, that goes beyond human uh, things. He's also excited by like her total uh, chaos and destruction mode. He's filled with such despair that that only seems the right avenue is to just sort of create and go for something that is ultimately going to destroy the world. So that's why he puts his life on the line, covers up everything for her, gets rid of Heinrich. You know, there gets to be that beautiful, to backtrack, there's a beautiful poetic moment where he goes to Heinrich's mother, who just, Mm -hmm. who knows that Heinrich's dead because she was so enmeshed with her child. And she allows herself to die and for her soul to float out the window. The window like opens, you know, Mm -hmm. she she gets to have a very peaceful death. There's a lot of like spirituality in it. So the end, when... There's this big shootout, and is that he? It, so he's chased by the cops. Sam Neill's chased by the cops, and she brings up the stairs with her what they've made, which is him. It looks like him, but it's the Antichrist, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how I view it. And that their breakup made the Antichrist, and that she now and that she loves Sam Neill and is also ready her her part or reason for being on this planet is over it was to like bring satan into the world and so she <clears throat> Sam Neill is riddled with bullets and is in a lot of pain and she's been shot some too and so she takes a gun and shoots herself through the back while they kiss 
She and really does. She gets right on top of him of and, pelvis. and kisses him while shooting herself into him. And they've arrived at the school teacher's house who's taking care of Bob. And because the Antichrist has come probably to like take their son, or it's possible that the school teacher is maybe the is maybe a good element uh that is still really pure and good that could somehow vanquish this evil spirit. We don't get to know. It ends with the Antichrist creeping around the glass of her outside door with the sounds of missiles dropping everywhere. Yeah, Samuel doing his best octopus dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then why does Bob have to die? I don't think Bob dies. Jack. So when Bob goes and jumps in the bath, he just, he can hold his breath underwater for a long time. So I think but he, he just goes, goes and he's holding his breath. And then there's a moment where his body kind of like turns side. And that's when I think we're to assume that he's gone. Mm, no, I think he's just holding his... I think he's just floating. He's just uh-huh. in the bath. I mean, I would do that as a kid where I'd be like, I'm going to hold my breath underwater. And I think he's runs into the bathtub and is holding his breath, but I don't think he's dead. Okay. I don't, I don't know how a child could jump into a bathroom and immediately drown like that. He's not Well, a lot long. of things happen in this movie that can't happen. Abs- that's absolutely true, such as you know, giving birth to the Antichrist by a breakup and it kind of going through various forms, including a red blob into, uh, (laughs) that has these sort of like weird eyes that kind of looks like a red tree stump, um, into an octopus into, it's a great movie for, I would say it's a wonderful Venn diagram of Halloween and Valentine's day. I suppose. You know, they play that, they used to, I mean, whenever we're back in New York, they'd play that movie every Valentine's Day at Anthology Film Fest, Anthology <laughs> Film. <laughs> I, I did, really appreciated. I really appreciated the aesthetics. My favorite part of the train station scene was when she's on her back and you get to see that her nylons are the same color as her dress, uh-huh. which I love. Uh-huh. This queen who I know in Texas is a film queen and she, uh would like this is you know back when we could go to clubs and stuff and i remember seeing an incredible like drag performance of a of a queen being a johnny um in the subway <laughs> scene like in a purple dress like screaming and like uh freaking out and like a, you know it's a great performance piece smashing it was seeing that movie was what inspired witch study number 1 oh <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it? With me and Jacob Slominski? Like, that's what we were yeah. doing. Like, Except I was which like, study number one was more nuanced than Possession? Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, Possession, <laughs> I wouldn't... There is a word I would not use with this film, and that's nuanced. Um, other although, words... Although... There are a few scenes, like when she's doing the ballet torture, where she looks to camera quietly. Uh-huh. That... That was a nice shift that felt needed. Even though the girl was screaming, at least Isabella Johnny was calm. Mm. I guess I'd still not give that quite nuance because it's direct to camera and the look is, I'm a murderer. Well, it's but for camp. It's campy, campy, wampy. Campy, wampy is another great shirt. And <laughs> talk about, like, if we ever opened a camp, we would call it Campy Wampy. Campy Wampy. Because it would really be, this is the camp to come and have 
big feelings. I have two opinion polls to ask of you. Okay. These are, you, so wait, so opinion polls, what does that mean? Well, it's, I just, we don't know the answer to these two questions. So it's going to okay, be a cool. Opinion. Do you think that Sam Neill and Isabella Johnny were so tired when they were done filming this movie? And the second question is, do you think that they had sex ever in their lives? I love thinking about both of these questions because I love thinking of myself as a Johnny (laughs) on this shoot. And I think, so I'm going to answer, I'm going to answer as a Johnny. Um, My answer is I was tired in the filming of this. Um, But it was also really exhilarating because uh, frequently you don't get to play roles like that. And um, yes, men get to do big action movies and women, of course, get to be in action movies too now these days. But at this point in the early 80s, if you were a woman in a film and were going to be screaming, it was because you were being chased by a murderer and I was getting to be a murderer. So it actually felt really um, exhilarating. Uh, I was very fatigued at the end of most days. And at the end of the shoot, I threw up and went to bed for three months. (laughs) In terms of me and Sam Neill, I don't like to kiss and tell, but I will say that Sam will always have a very special place in more than just my heart. <laughs> Gorgeous. And <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. What movies do you like? You like Men Don't Leave? I love that movie. Um, do you like Tootsie? You know, I don't think I've ever watched it from beginning to end. But, you know, but I love I Jessica Lange. I watched it from beginning to end. I love Jessica Lang. She is incredible. I watched it not too long ago. Um, Bill Murray is in it and is exceptional in He's it. He's great. I don't know how I felt about this that movie. I, I in some ways I like it, and in some ways I find it um, really gross and offensive. Is it a movie that could even be made today? I don't. The plot is that he needs to get work in soaps, and he can only do so as a crossdresser. Well. No, he comes as a woman. He, like, literally goes to the audition dressed up as a woman. Yes, I understand, but he is but a self-identified straight male person. He is, but Correct. they don't know that he's a man. Right. For a really long so time. So it's like Mrs. Doubtfire. It is absolutely like a Mrs. Doubtfire. And it was on Broadway just this past year, I believe, and went well. Okay. So it's a kind of... It's... Like it's it's weird in that like there's ways where like the gro- the the guy who's the director of the soap is really gross and is put in his place by this man who's dressed up as a woman. Um, but there's also some things around it. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I I was like because I remember seeing it as a kid and feeling like made fun of in a way through the movie or that like it wasn't okay. That ultimately you had to like women and you can't, you know, it's, it, there was this, it, it's pretty, it still is really on the binary, but you know, well, most things are. Right. Right. So it's not like, um, and it's that he falls in love with Jessica Lang and then all this sort of, it's, 
And there's this whole way he reconciles with Jessica Lange's father in a bar being really, like, man about it. It's just... So So some of that stuff is hard. But then there's other stuff that's really great. And Jessica Lange is so amazing. And there's things on the soap that... Oh, you know, it's a really great movie. Soap dish. Yeah. I know. It really is wonderful. I love that movie. Robert Downey Jr. Wow. Yeah. So cute. So cute. And that sister. Can you imagine them growing up? together who's this what do you mean robert johnny jr's sister who's that uh she's in men don't leave joan cusack is john cusack's oh, you're sister right. <laughs> wow you know what i literally john cusack and robert downey jr are pretty close though do you know what i mean no i mean they have some similar affectation like kind of like real cute but like a little twitchy you know Ugh, like cute dark-haired boys ultimately i guess i'd want to kiss robert downey jr Oh, he's infinitely more beautiful, yes. But there's this movie John Cusack's in. I think he holds like a boombox over his head. Say anything. I never saw it, but I did see that part. And I remember thinking that's sweet. Yeah, in your eyes, the light that in your eyes. Oh, that makes me anxious. Is that a Phil Collins song? I do believe, yeah. Oh, God. Phil Collins makes me so anxious just hearing, just (laughs) thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's really anxiety provoking. I love 80s movies, I have to say. 80s was interesting, huh? (laughs) 80s was interesting, huh? Is iconic. (laughs) That is an iconic line. Much more interesting than the 90s or the 2000s. I don't know, girl. I mean, the 80s was, yeah, it was really interesting. But like, 90s is really pretty special. I mean, 90s, you have Batman Returns, you have But Twin that's Peaks. just like coming off of the 80s, you know? Like, Batman Returns is basically the 80s. <laughs> but it's like not, because there's like the chicness to the 90s. Like, the 90s become kind of chic in this way. Like, uh... I mean, it's also Madonna at her zenith. Like... Ugh. blonde ambition you can't you can't disparage <laughs> that like you can't I, just I, I can't no you watch, can't because watch if me you, no if you saw <laughs> what is that movie called truth or dare it is truly one of it's so incredible and <laughs> her and the blonde ambition tour i I stand by being still like one of the most incredible stage shows ever. Like, look, I think you're not wrong. Like the early nineties, when we're dealing with like Isaac Mizrahi in his heyday, the mm-hmm. heyday of supermodels, absolutely. the heyday of Madonna. Absolutely. There was something about like the excess and the fun. People were really leaning into fun in the early nineties. Metallics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Sure. It metallics, is. Yes. Colors. Yes. With also a great like grunge uh, alt scene. So you have all that going on. And then you have like Kurt Cobain coming through and like flannels beginning to happen. Like I love that. Yeah. Whereas the 80s were just truly, I would say, a little more one note. Like. But the interesting thing about the 80s is that there was this kind of reaction to the 70s and the 80s where suddenly, like, 
with the dawn of Reagan, people were like, let's get really old fashioned. And suddenly there was like almost like 19 kind of fifties and forties fashion happening. Like it was strange. People were having their hair permed almost as if they were having it set like in the olden days. Right. Um, It was so it was so like diffused and pastel and I hate pastels and I hate diffuse. I oh. like loud, big feelings, Madonna, um, possession. Oh, <laughs> Metallics. Wow, wow. It's true. Like you're more of you're more eighties and I'm more nineties <laughs> in that way. Like nineties is like Verhoeven giving us showgirls and Robocop and Total Recall and I, I mean, my, my, my was total child- recall the eighties. I don't know. Anyhow. My childhood in the eighties was almost like aesthetically, it was almost neutral. I mean, my True. mom has always had exceptional taste. So Absolutely. it wasn't like we were living in a house that could be identified as the eighties, you right. know, unless you were to look at like the television set. Right. But I do, like, I have a lot of nostalgia for, for 80s movies. I'm so wrong. RoboCop is, the, I was like, RoboCop was definitely the 80s. It was 87. Oh, yeah, because my brother auditioned for RoboCop too. Wow. We were, when we were living on King Street. Wow. Ne- next door to Susan Sontag, who almost burned our house down. <laughs> Wait. How did Susan Sontag almost burn your house down? They so uh, we talk about a, notes on camp, campy wampy. Notes boy, on campy, campy wampy. wampy. We had an apartment like two <laughs> buildings down from where I live now, uh-huh. and we were on the top floor. Mm-hmm. And my mom's boss was the floor below us. Mm-hmm. And then Susan Sontag had the brownstone next door to our building. Mm-hmm. And I guess there was a fire that started in Susan Sontag's apartment, and it burned the roof off of our apartment. The roof, but not your ceiling. Yes. it. The, the fireman came and had to make a hole in the ceiling. Well, and then where did you guys go live? Where did you guys go live? I was very small. <laughs> I don't, I'll have to ask my mom. But you guys had to go live somewhere else while your ceiling was repaired. Yes, I think we went to stay somewhere. But I do remember the morning, like, waking up and the house was sort of, like, hazy and and started getting thicker with smoke and then my mom was like uh-oh and then we got out of there do you remember how you got out of the apartment i don't do you remember if your mother was frantic or was she calm probably pretty calm yeah and then cut to like susan sontag like standing outside smoking a cigarette being like oh, i think i dropped like a cigarette of mine she's, in a waste paper basket she's <laughs> like my books <laughs> <laughs> my books. Oh my all oh, my essays. <laughs> my notes on camp. Um <laughs> all my notes on camp. <laughs> oh, there's so many notes up there. Don't let them burn. Oh my god. Oh my god. All oh, my notes caught on fire. Oh wow. That's really that's really wild. I have been watching a show that I do believe you're going to love. Oh, okay. It is on Prime, Amazon Prime, and it's called The Face, and it is from 2013, and it is, uh, it is America's Next Top Model, essentially, except 
it's also the voice. So there's a group of 12 British aspiring models who get divided up into three teams and each of the four girls is designated to a, a, a supermodel. So Naomi Campbell is one. I love her. Team Naomi. Mm-hmm. And then there's this woman, Erin O'Connell or something. And then there's this woman, Caroline something, who's a Swedish model. But they're all sort about of, those. <laughs> you, you will care about them in this way because it's not only a competition between the models, it's almost more of a competition between the supermodel mentors because every time one of their their team wins an assignment, that mentor gets to kick off a person from one of the other two teams. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch the show. I might start watching it tonight. And Naomi Campbell is a rage addict. I love it. You're going to love it. I love how angry she gets. I love... Not, not only angry, but she also cannot control her laughter at people which is such a crazy joy that she she will laugh at people to like to their face when she thinks they've done something silly or stupid. Don't you feel like you do that? <laughs> yeah, Jack, you, it's this next level. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to believe it. Great. I mean, I feel we could really use, we all need a little to be uh, sensitive souls need to bring a little more Naomi Campbell into our lives. <gasps> oh. Um I can't wait. I'm so excited for us to review a show from 2013. That's where this podcast is going. Um, so random. We so are going random. to begin reviewing The Face, which I didn't get to see. I was, you know, you know a show I've never watched? America's Next Top Model. Are you kidding me? I loved that show. <laughs> I, that the show, voice. as problematic, that's correct. I've never, ever watched that show, and it was on... Oh, Jeremy put it on for some reason. I, I can't remember why. Probably because he put the news on. And I was like, please, why are you killing me? And he like flipped and the voice was on. And this girl was 16. She had an, Her voice was incredibly low. And she was choosing between John Legend and this woman and Gwen Stefani. Uh-huh. And I, and there was another woman there. Kelly Clarkson. Yes. And then there was like this big kind of man with a beard or he looked gnarly, like some country man. Blake, Blake's something. Blake's McGrew. Right. Yep. Blake's McGrew. And I was like, what's going on? And and she got to choose a mentor. I didn't know. I have, I have, uh, this is a show I don't know anything about. And the reason I don't know anything about is because I don't care. I don't like that kind of music. Oh yeah, no, I know. But they, yeah, that's a, they do that on the the face, the model. So what I thought you were originally saying, because I only just this past week saw a moment of the voice and Jeremy explained it to me. Um, I thought you meant for a brief moment, it took me a bit, that these models were going to have to sing. Incredible. And I was like... This is this show sounds no. These amazing. models can can barely communicate with one another. It's exceptional. Remember how incredible America's Next Top Model was? Amazing. Remember how incredible Tyra Banks is? Have you I been mean, watching? Um, what is that show called? Dancing with the Stars. My new favorite joke is Carriana Na. Is, is Tyra Banks going Carriana Naba and Carriana going one? 
<laughs> Does that happen? No, but I, <laughs> I, I would love it to happen if she's like Carrie Ananaba one. <laughs> she just held, holds up a one. Um, I wanted to be able to really watch that show this season to 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 show up for Neve, but it is a of all too long and b of all like too much production. It makes me feel crazy. It's like too many noises, too many lights, too many costumes, too much. It's I don't, I don't like it. It's strange. Um, I loved when Neve had his Fred Astaire moment. Beautiful. Um, Neve is always doing great. Exceptional. Um, love I watching like to, uh, your boyfriend. Uh, oh. Alan. Alan. Um, but it, something's happened where I kind of, I don't know what it is. Um, in this last episode, I think I missed a week. And by the time I caught up, I felt just really overwhelmed. I, I think as well by like the lights and that Tyra like yells from like start to finish, which I like in one way. Um, I, I really, this past week, it was incredible. As I, she came out and Jim was like, what is she wearing? And I said, a top from 39th Street between 7th and 8th. Absolutely. It was Absolutely. really, really wild. And then, um, and I re- but I love Tyra so much. I wish I was co-hosting this show with her. Um, cause it seems like she has to fill time a lot. It seems like she has to like ask them questions, interrogate. And it seems like she has, it feels the onus of the show being like three hours long is on her somehow. Yes. She has to manage the time. It's up to her to be like, and now we have to be done with this section. So hurry it along and we're going to commercial break. Good night, everybody. But it also feels that she has to fill time too, where she has to be like, I think that's the first time I've seen fringe on a leotard. You know, it's like, she also has to fill time. And I, I want to be there with her to help her with that. And I kind of basically just want to turn the show into me and Tyra talking actually. It'd be a much um, better show. I feel, I've always been so diehard Tyra like fan. The episode of ANTM when she's like, you guys, I don't, I don't feel well, you guys. I, I, I don't. And then she like collapses out of the couch and all and the models like, and all the models like come along or come and freak around. She goes, I was acting because that's the challenge this week. <laughs> I, I remember seeing that like in the aughts and being like, this is incredible. I do think that under just very slightly different circumstances, Tyra could have been a great actress because her ability to mimic is uncanny. Yeah. The way in which she can look at someone's face and then take on that expression is insane. It's unbelievable. I deeply relate to it. (laughs) I deeply relate. So I guess that's the show I want is Tyra and I becoming each other. Like she'd be mimic, she'd start mimicking me and I'd start mimicking her. And then it'd be the sum of all parts. It'd be amazing. And it would really be a lot of face posing. And um, it's just so great. I just, I, I just love her. And that, God, it's so iconic when she yells at that model. 
it is iconic. Oh, when, when she, she screams, says, I believed in you! When she screams at her. When and she's, I can't remember what she goes and she goes, stop it, stop it. Maybe she's even screaming, shut up. I don't remember what it is. And then she goes off in like this way that's just really, I mean, it. I mean, it's for ratings for sure. It, well, and it got them. And I loved Miss J. I mean, when Miss J would teach them how to walk, come on. Miss J was wonderful. And then what was the name of that other queen with the dyed blonde hair? We think we've done this recently. J. J Manuel. J Manuel. And Miss then Angie, J. Angie Dickinson. Angie, Angie Dickinson was, was. She was always like, I was the first supermodel. And I'm like, well, I don't know who you are. She was incredible. I incredible. loved her. I loved all of them. They are Nigel all. Nigel Barker. Hot. It was a great team. It was a great team. It really was. I feel it's was really ahead of its time. Um, and I, and also totally of its time. So you know, there you have it. It was really good. And then Tyra had her own show. What do you mean? What kind of show? She had a talk show. Oh right. Remember? Oh, did Tyra. Oh, yeah, because she put Vaseline all over her face. And then she yelled at the audience to put Vaseline on their face. Well, it was because she was doing the takeoff on when Oprah had, like, I think, given right. everyone a car. And she's like, if you look under your seat, you're going to find the best beauty product I've ever used. And then she started screaming, you get Vaseline and you get Vaseline. She just... I mean, that her, her ability to, like, act, to pump up, to pump it up, and to, like, drive forward, and the way she shows up for Dancing with the Stars in such a professional way. Like, she really shows up as a full pro. She's like, welcome! Like, I just... Well, I think that she sees the potential for, you know, basically to do this job until she's dead, because I think Tom Bergeron did it for 20-whatever seasons. I don't ever need to see him again, and I'm just here for Tyra. I could have Tyra host everything. She's yeah. amazing. I love her. Um, well, I hope we get to interview her. I'll text Neve and maybe we'll have Neve on or maybe we'll get to have Tyra on. Oh, I would gag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would lose my mind if we could have Tyra Banks on. I would lose my mind. No, I feel like I may have watched or read something else I wanted to discuss with you, but I'm not sure. I, I did get a new book in the mail that I had pre-ordered, so it was a surprise, called Dessert Person by Claire Saffitz. Mm-hmm. which is a wonderful new dessert cookbook. And I, I, I have a fantasy that I want to try all the recipes in it, though I know that won't happen. If you do even one of them, I want you to document it. I will. And put it on our Dance and Stuff account because um, I don't know what's going on with that account. And uh, you're, I feel like sometimes you really show up for that account. Sometimes, I'm, but I'm... This week is midterms. I am so tired. Um, I understand. Yes, I have to write 52 midterms. Oh boy. Oh yes, boy. Whilst, while teaching and meeting with students at the same time. But we did it. We also did this. We also did this job. And, oh, um, I have one more story for you. Okay, of course. <laughs> Um, it's actually a, um, ja- it's a, it's a medical update of oh. 
with re- regards to your medical updates oh. um, and your PSA about the um, shingles and pneumonia vaccines. Yes. Did you do it? I certainly did not. Um, but Lindsay Clark. <laughs> oh, no. I hope she didn't Fre- get shingles, did she? Friend of the podcast, Lindsay Clark, who did not get shingles, oh, though her God. husband has had shingles and you have had shingles yeah. and her best friend, Stuart, has had shingles. Right. So she's been very close to shingles. Yeah. Well, it's not contagious. Unless and you she, haven't had chicken pox before. So she went into the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. She was getting... I think her flu shot or something. And she said, also, I was looking into the shingles and pneumonia vaccines. Uh And the pharmacist was like, absolutely not. She was like, that's, that's ridiculous. You're, you're not at an age right now where we would administer one of those to you. And she's like, well, my friend just had shingles and, and the pharmacist goes, no, he didn't. Uh, yes work well honey um if you want to talk to uh katherine booza an incredible dermatologist at albany dermatology uh whoever pharmacy person you are give her a call yeah and and then Lindsay started crying got (laughs) she got upset because this woman like basically was being rude to her and this woman was being rude yeah, and when was disregarding her feelings, but then after Lindsay got really upset, the pharmacist came back and she was really overcompensating with niceness because she felt bad. Well, did she give her the but she didn't give her the vaccine, so she wasn't that she, nice. She didn't. I mean, here's the thing. The shingles vaccine, I have I haven't even I mean, and she was like when you get over this, you should get it and I, I was like but it makes you feel sick. Like, I know people who've gotten the shingles vaccine and it makes you feel sick. The pneumonia vaccine made me feel like shit for like, I don't know, at least three days. The flu vaccine never makes me feel sick because I get it every year. But I guess some people feel sick when they get it. But I don't, I'll go get the pneumonia vaccine. Reed, you have to get the flu vaccine this year. I am. I I went actually to CVS to get it yesterday, but my... They don't take my insurance at CBS, but the, the the Dwayne Reed and the Rite Aid both do. So I'll go to them. I'm so glad that I got to hear both on this episode. Both. Oh, Harry um, and I got a printer for our studio and it's um an eco printer. You actually pour ink into the receptacles. It's not like cartridges. Uh-huh. And it's, it's really good. It's really exciting to have a printer in our studio. Yeah, I, what? You pour the ink into it? Yeah, it comes in bottles. Like oh, you get so, right, so ink black, comes along. Black, yellow, magenta, cyan, and then you, you like, um, click the nozzle to a hole, and then it all just goes blub, blub, blub down into the, into the reservoir, and then your thing, and it lasts like a million times longer. Wow, that's good to know. Yeah, at least a million times longer. <laughs> It lasts at least. Well, there you go. You should do the ad campaign for them. It'll last at least a million times longer than your regular <laughs> printer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. That's a great ad. That's really good. It feels exactly like the last four years we've lived through. Just like anyone can say anything. Anyone can say anything. This whole like, please don't 
take anything that he says, you know, that thing they were trying to like get approved by the, they're having to trying to get some court ruling that to have it be approved that it won't matter what Donald Trump says, tweets or does like it was, uh uh-huh. I can't get into it. It's, it's so nefarious. This person must go. I said to Jeremy last night, I said, do you know who's volunteering to be a poll worker? And Jeremy said, Barton. And I said, yes, because Barton is literally like An Prince angel. Charming. I mean, he's literally like Prince Charming. He's Can you like, imagine showing him to the polls and Barton giving you help? Like saying, just step over here. I'd be like, and marry me. What's happening? <laughs> I would absolutely be like, what is going on? <laughs> I, I, I'd be so baffled, confused. Um, bless all poll workers, bless all phone bankers, bless all vote forward mailers, bless you all. You know, here we are in New York state. It'll, it's obviously going to be a Biden Harris win in New York state. It's just, if you have relatives in Pennsylvania, Texas, Florida, Iowa, Ohio, you know, Arizona, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, <laughs> California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Wait. Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana. <laughs> what was doo-doo-doo? Is there a state that was in there that you couldn't remember? No, no, that's just the song. Delaware. Florida, Georgia, Hawaii. I know, but Delaware, do you know what I mean? Isn't that Joe Biden? Like... Have you ever been there? I'm sure I have. Yes, Dover, Delaware. Ugh. What is there? <laughs> What's I, I don't remember. But like, I, do you know what I mean? I never hear about it. <laughs> I, uh, Delaware, I mean, even Rhode Island, I know something about because, you know, Brown and RISD, but. Oh, I've been Delaware. to Rhode Island. I lived in Rhode Island, honey. Honey, why I, you did a theater festival? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> No, no, I didn't. But I love, I love what you did at theater festival. <laughs> Just like that's that's your mo. For I, like I did a theater festival there. I didn't. I did a movie there, and I lived in the Biltmore Hotel. I was eighteen oh, years old, and I was like drinking like nobody's business, and that's where I would like would be in Jonathan Brandis's room, and like. He'd be like, I think I'm going to get cut out of this movie. And I'd be like, no, you won't. And when you don't. got your contract, what was the, what were they going to pay you? What did they pay you? Oh, I got so fucked on that movie. Are you kidding? Well, I'm Cause sure they, you would have taken anything. Well, they were like, well, they were Aval. I was like, oh, wow, I'm getting cast in a Miramax movie. I want to get an agent. And they were like, you can't get an agent. And right. I was like, what? And they were like, we have a lawyer who will negotiate your contract. Oh, man. And I was like, <sighs> took a drag of my parliament and thought, well, I got to get out of, I, I've got to keep moving. So I'm going to take this gig. Yeah. Um, getting your first movie is precarious because if you had like, you know, done something that upset them, they would have just been like, get the other gay. You know what I mean? I mean, T, except they were absolutely like, this character's not gay. So like, don't be gay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> You did full possession. <laughs> yeah. Haven't you heard my straight voice? Hello. 
he became the antichrist and you're like does does this work for you how about this um and they paid me uh 15,000 pre-tax. That's not good. No, it was not. It was not good considering that I was in a movie starring... uh, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. And at this point, Amy Smart was certainly having more of a career, as was Sean Hattesey. But the one who really ended up working out of that film was Gabriel Mann, who would be so iconic in, I think he was in Carnival, but he was really, he really showed up something fierce in that incredible TV show called Revenge as her gay best friend. And um, I remember thinking Gabriel was so just divine. I mean, he was tall, blonde, gorgeous. And he was like, don't come out. Like, oh. just don't <laughs> come out. Cause like you, it'll really limit, your career options. And then I remember being like, mm, homo says what? <laughs> <laughs> Which is then when I saw, um, and I, you know, and then I think there's this whole thing of like, he's dating Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I was like, is he? Um, <laughs> Gabriel, I love you. Come on the podcast and come out. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, that's our new podcast is outing celebrities on dance and stuff. Uh, totally, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, this podcast does have to like, just get queer and queer. That's for sure. Like, just queer content, plaz. Um, oh, Jack, you didn't get paid for that movie. I really didn't. You know what? I got a residual check recently. Ugh. For, do you think that Alec Baldwin got a million dollars to be in that movie? Um, it was a low budge. I mean, it was an indie anyway. I mean, this is still when like indies existed and, you know, people were like sledging around. Um, uh, I don't know. It's so funny. I need to, I really should compare notes with Parker about like, I wonder what she got paid on House of Yes. I got a residual check recently. I'm I'm looking through it. Who was it from? It was from... I always get stuff from them, get stuff from these these queens too, and I always get stuff from these. Here it is, so incredible. I I I hope, God, now if I can track down the pay stub of what this was for, this looks like it could be for outside Providence. So here it goes. I got some. I got twelve dollars and ten cents recently. Amazing from outside Providence. That's um, lunch. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I guess up here. Um, yeah. Not in the city. And then I got a check. When I get these checks, they really stun me. Um, and this, I believe, was absolutely for... Um, it's for Strangers with Candy for seven cents. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to cash it? You should I, You should take it to checks for cash. <laughs> And they'll be like, um, the fee is five dollars. You'll be it like, totally, yeah, I'm gonna pay you four dollars and ninety three cents. Totally. They're they're so. What was great was so. I, I didn't used to have like a mobile banking app or whatever on my phone. So I would like take it. I'd like take my checks and like put them in the slot. And 
this any of like the 25 cent and below ones would always just come back. They'd be like, can't <laughs> deposit it. Not worth it. Tear it up. <laughs> Can not. It really would. And so I remember having like a stack of them that I think equaled like, you know, a dollar fifty. And there was someone begging for change, so I gave them to him. That's nice. Yeah. I was like, go deposit these. Um, go take them for for checks for cash. Um checks for cash. Uh all right. Well, time to go to bed. Yeah, everybody watch uh, Fall for Dance if you want to. I think it's $15. Um, You can also not watch Fall for Dance and give us $15. Absolutely become a Patreon (laughs) to our show if you are enjoying the random. And we are going to continue with random and uh, keeping it queer and staying here uh, and not being in fear. And, yeah, keep um, it queer, stay right here, not in fear, dance and stuff. Dance and stuff. And uh, we we look forward to um, next week. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that may be. Whatever that may be. Well, we know what it's going to be. But it won't be possession because we already did it. It won't be possession. We know what it's going to be. It's a, it's a surprise, ladies and gentlemen, another. And... Um, Uh, More will be revealed. All right. We loves you. Halloween surprise. Good night.